If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Now, today we've got a guest all the way from the UK, Ben Hart. How are you today, Ben? I'm really good, thank you. Really good. Yeah, very good. Ben, you know, just sort of having a look through and looking at the website and a few other things, you know, you find out a lot about people online, I think, these days. I just want to read something that um, is off your website, and I think it sort of explains you and also a reason why we're happy to support what you're doing. So, This is it here. It's Ben Hart hates injustice and wasted potential. He has a mission to help people understand the true nature of equines by using the honesty of the science of behaviour to help both animals and their people unlock their true potential. He firmly believes with equines, it doesn't have to be complicated, dangerous or stressful. And by helping people to understand the true and amazing power of equines, He wants them to better understand each other, to make life better for horses, donkeys and mules. Ben removes the myths and dependence on dominance and forceful training methods and focuses on positive, safe, effective solutions that centre on both the animal and the human. Ben's delivery of training is unique, ensuring and an outstanding experience that's enjoying and life-changing. And I think these values, you know, we're very happy to support, so I'm pretty delighted to talk to you today, Ben. Uh, that, that's fantastic. Um, it's really interesting to hear that read back to me because I was thinking when you said there that online and you can find out about people. I've been doing this for 20 years and, and I guess over 20 years there's a lot of online stuff you, you can read and find mm-hmm. out about. And I hope that the evidence of everything I put on online over 20 years um, probably supports that. And actually as you read that, I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I try and do and it's, it's some of the principles that I still stick to and that I've been working for for, for all of that time. Mm, mm, good, good. Now, Ben, we're going to ask you, and I, I didn't actually warn you before you, before we started, a favourite <laughs> quote. Have you got a favourite quote, something that you'd like to chat about? Um, I guess if I, I – I love quotes, mm-hmm. um, and, and everything we do, you know, is in line with that thing about behaviour. And so things change all the time. So I'm, I'm a real person – there's a thing about me if we go out for dinner everybody knows I'll be the last one to order because it's kind of a mood thing and I have to figure out what I feel like at the moment I'm not a great sort of like I always have this at a restaurant and I'm the same with my quotes but picking one up would be probably uh, the one that that says um, we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are yes Yes, okay. And I think that has a lot of application for me for, for horsemanship and working with equines. And that's why in, in what you've read there from the website is so much about also people. I started out like most people want to work with horses, donkeys, mules. Uh, and pretty soon I, I figured out that I better learn how to work with people because that's just such an important combination. And, and it, it's great to have a method and, and be able to work with a horse. But actually, it's, it's so important to work with people and, and how people see the world determines how they interact with their equine and, and the world around them. And understanding that becomes sort of core essence of what we do. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and is this, you know, just taking on that, is this where we start talking about, and I know it's not, can't be divided evenly, just optimist and pessimist, but, you know, optimists generally have a better life than pessimists. Pessimists, there's always something going wrong with them. And they might see the same opportunity or, or an optimist will see an opportunity, but a pessimist will just see things going wrong. Is it a little bit like that? Um. Well, it is a little bit like that, and, and the great thing about the science behaviour, what we start to do, and we talk about, we talk about this on courses, is mm. that uh, there's something called the reticular activating system, which is a neural network at the back of all our brains, yep. and that programs what we look for, or we program it to look for stuff. So there's a great experiment they do that says, okay, uh, they ask people whether they are a lucky person. Mm-hmm. You know, are you naturally lucky? You know, not lucky to be alive, but you know, do you find that that twenty dollars? Are you the person that's got the parking space most of the time? And and then they give them a newspaper and they say, okay, let's let, count the number of advert, adverts in the newspaper and come back and, and uh, tell me when you counted them. Now, the people who, who don't rate themselves as lucky will, will generally take three or four times as long to do this for a start. And they'll count through all the adverts and they'll go 46 adverts. That's great. Well done. The people who think that they're lucky generally will see in the first couple of adverts um, a sign that says, you know, stop counting, there's 46 adverts in this newspaper. And they go, oh, that's lucky, there's 46 adverts. And, and they go, yes, there is. And, and they also look in there and then they'll see an advert that says, you know, um, if you see this advert, take it to the examiner, you'll get $20. And they go, oh, really? Is this true? And they go, yeah, it is. Here's 20 bucks. And they go, wow, I'm so lucky. And so absolutely, you program your brain, we program our brain to see those opportunities. And it's the same when you work with horses. You know, do, do you see that horse that, that has a difficulty as an opportunity to learn, or do you see it as a horse that's being difficult? Mm-hmm. Do you see that animal that's struggling to get something as an opportunity to build a relationship, or do you see it as um, a difficulty to overcome that isn't that problem? Mm-hmm. I'm just loving talking to you straight away. You know, I just think that um, we haven't even talked about methods of training horses or anything like that yet, but just the way that you go about approaching it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. I thank you. I really appreciate that. Have you always had this way of working with horses or do you think that, you know, you've learned something along the line where you might have worked with a trainer or worked with someone or is this just, you know? <laughs> Tell us how you started, not necessarily with horses, but with the training methods that you use and the philosophy that you use. Wow. Wow, that is a Oh my gosh! How long we got? Um, <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to. I guess it, it goes all the way back to, to to childhood. I was lucky enough to grow up grow up with a, a father who was a policeman, but he thought he should have been the sheriff in America a hundred years before he was a policeman in, in in England. And and subsequently, we grew up with heavy horses and and uh, percherons and ploughing and looking after a small holding with, with horses. So I was kind of around it for a long time when I was, was young, and, and that's probably a major influence for me. Uh, but it, it wasn't a deliberate, in, I sort of had a lot of interest in human uh, success and, and learning, and um, went on a bit of a journey um, for about 10, 15 years through learning, and, and then got into horses properly. I had a, no clue what I was doing, and, and it's been a 20-year journey of figuring stuff out. And it, and I started off with a method trainer and I had an opportunity and I'm always grateful for that. But pretty quickly I met a horse and this was a changing point in my, my life was I met a horse that when I applied the method of, of the trainer that I was working for at the time, um, this horse just went, that doesn't work. 
and mm. and he, you know, it was about tapping the horse on the coronet band when when the horse bit you and, and stuff like that. And I was, you know, kind of trying to figure stuff out. So I went in and, and just gently tapped the horse on the coronet band when he bit me, and it was supposed to disrupt the flow of information and be mildly negative. Did this a couple of times. I thought, yeah, I'm a, I'm a horse trainer, you know. And, and then the third time, the fourth time, I probably thought it was a horse was or something crazy like that. And the fifth time, this horse just looked me in the eye, bent down and bit my foot. <laughs> and and that, for me, just changed my life because I'm like, oh, no, I better have 10 different answers to one problem here. And that's where I started studying the science of behavior <laughs> and started looking at that practical application of the science. So what I've then done for the next 20 years is to, to steal the work of, of brilliant scientists and, and knowledgeable people who do the research and go, well, how does a rat pressing a lever in a, in a science lab relate to somebody who's going to have to go into a stable with a horse that wants to bite them? And how, how does the, what we know about human learning uh, practically apply? And so it's been a constant journey and it is a constant journey of learning and getting lighter and figuring things out and, and, and applying lots of different approaches to different situations. I'm very much that for me, it's not about what I can do. It's about what you can do as, as a, a horse owner or a trainer, but also about um, the difficulty that we're, everybody's unique. Their horse is unique. Their environment's unique. So how can I say, this is what you've got to do? What I go do is to say, okay, who are you? What do you want to achieve? Where does that come from? What is your horse's potential? Where do you want to go with this? What difficulties do you have? And we blend that together to find an answer that's right for that owner. And I think that is really it's a harder route for me it's a harder route for for people that i work with because we like an abc we like that process of being like just do this and everything will work but what i find is that we want to come back to another quote which is that thing about if you if you give a man a fish you feed him for a day and if you um teach him to fish you feed feed him for a lifetime and so for me it's about giving people those skills to question and the, and the confidence and uh, that they can do it forever, that they don't need me. You know, it's a terrible business for me to be in financially because I always put myself out of business. You know, you create the courage and the strength and the knowledge in somebody that you're working with. They don't need you anymore. And that's how it should be. I don't want that independence. Um, it dependence on me. I want them to be able to develop those skills and go, thank you very much. And, and I'm off and I'm having a great time with my horse. Mm, mm, mm. I'm just thinking, you know, it's almost like when you think of a training method, you just think, you know, oh, yeah, sure, it's to really simplify it, right? And I know it's a lot more complicated mm. than that, but mm. you think of the German yeah. training scale and it's just six steps and you've got a Grand Prix horse, right? Easy. But yeah. you start to ask questions like where are you? What do you want to achieve? Let's have a look at your horse. Mm. What problems? It's almost like a maze. It's almost like you're right. all over the place, you know, but you've got to learn all these little, well, if this happens, yeah. then you've got to do that, and if that happens, then you've got to do that. So, you know, just the pictures that are sort of going through my mind as you're talking about it and, yep. and uh, learning about, I suppose, not what to do but why, you know, how to do it and, and why and, and really thinking and questioning, yeah. T totally, it, it is absolutely that. And, and that is uncomfortable for people because I think we've come from horsemanship of the last 150 years is what do you do to your horse? And, and I would change that to what are we doing with our horse and and working with, you know, is that right for this horse? Is it just an environmental issue? We don't need to do training. We just need to give him more environment enrichment or more turnout. You know, if we want to get a, a solution to an issue, if we if we want to do training, you know, are we the the person that we need to work on ourselves first before we begin to to do that? And I think so often 
Training takes a lot longer than it needs to, not because of our methods, but because we're inefficient. We're working on the wrong thing because we haven't stepped far enough back to start with to go, okay, my horse doesn't load in the trailer, you know, so I want to go to the trailer to fix it. And I'm like, the reason your horse doesn't want to load in the trailer is because he lacks confidence or he lacks problem-solving skills. And so let's, let's take it back and let's work on our problem-solving trust and confidence, build that relationship, and lo and behold, going in the trailer becomes so easy. Now, we still got to work on that and we've got to understand the science behind it, but we often work in the wrong places. So, yeah, definitely. We, but it becomes a more fulfilling relationship because we actually understand a horse or a donkey or a mule better. I'm, I'm, and I'm no great one for doing the work for people. I really like people to do their own work. So, you know, you can send your horse away to be started, but, but to my mind, actually, what I like to see is I think most people, if they take a long enough view of it and say, you know, I'm going to take a year to start my horse and, and ride and, and I get the training plans in place. Most people can start their own horse. You know, okay, if I get it. If, if, if you've got some, you know, you're, you're 80 years old, getting on, the, on a green horse for the first time might be a little bit daunting and, and you might want to get someone younger who can bounce a bit more. But there isn't the need to do that because you've done all the training. Mm. You know, people will tell me that they've got on their, their horse and, and they've had an accident. And when you trace that back, that person knew there was going to be an accident because they were nervous about getting on. And I'm like, well, if you were nervous about getting on, what that nervousness is telling you is you haven't done enough work to predict the behavior of this animal. So don't get on him. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. Get, do the work, do the preparation, build that animal's ability to, to see that you're not thinking, oh my gosh, what happens if? Yeah. You know, we take too many risks with horses. We push them too quick. We get themselves into situations we've not prepared them to get out of. And then we have accidents and then we scare ourselves or we scare the horse and then we have to fix it. And we need to take a longer term view of it and we mm-hmm. need to enjoy that relationship and build it up over time. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that sounds a bit preachy. Uh, yeah, it sounds a bit preachy. I don't mean to say what I can, but it, it's one thing I see a lot of. Is, yeah, is that we yeah. stop enjoying that relationship. We just want to get to the answer. But just, you're talking about, you know, even as a young horse, like a lot of experienced competitive coaches come on and say we're bringing you know where people are just in too much of a rush to get there but even at that basic stage and saying something like well if you're too nervous to get on you're not ready you know you can break it down into yeah. smaller steps and, and do the steps yeah. that you're confident with as well as the horse's confidence uh, absolutely you know i'm a real big fan of, of uh, what scientifically we call successive approximation or shaping mm-hmm. um which is which is breaking something down into lots of small steps now again through 20 years of experience of doing this everybody knows they got to break it down into small steps my experience tells me that people just don't break it down into small enough steps so um and and once you learn how small the steps are anybody can do them and we can take the pressure off ourselves to be able to do the big thing and and just go, you know, it, it's okay if, if just I've got a horse that I'm nervous of picking his feet up, just stroking him on the rump until I'm not nervous might be the step for today. And that's fine. We'll come back tomorrow and do something. But there's a lot of, in, there's a lot of experts in, in the horse world. And I, and I mean that in a way of, you know, people will tell you what you should be doing with your horse. Why aren't you doing this? You just need to show him yeah. who's boss. You need yeah. to, to do X, Y, and Z. You, you should have done this when he's taking the mickey. And and when you look at the science behavior, people just are so far off the mark with horses and their true nature that mm. that actually that horse is, is I, I put a post on Facebook the other day which which um sound really popular you know it, your horse isn't giving you a hard time he's having a hard time mm. and coming at it from that angle starts to change what we do with them really yep yeah stop I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 
101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Thinking, because you often go back to, you know, science and behaviour and that whole science-based approach, and I think we've talked about learning theory and shaping. Is there, and I know that science, you know, has really, really evolved over, I don't know, it's almost exponential, you know, you sort of go back 20 years and and um, we've got a guy here, Andrew McLean, and people thought he was crazy 20 years ago. You know, it's like I used to, and now, you know, obviously real, people realise that 20 years ago what he talks about is is quite relevant to the horse industry. But do you think that there's gaps now where we could be going and, and could be doing a bit more research into the horse? It's not just the horse behaviour, it's the combination of horses and people. Do you think there's an area there that needs exploring a bit more? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of the research that's done is very functional. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think actually the, the problem with all horse research, to my mind, is, is twofold. One is we don't, it doesn't often look at that horse's previous experience. So if you've got a horse that's done lots of, say, positive reinforcement, lots of training, taught how to solve problems, doesn't fear making mistakes, and you test that horse for intelligence, you're going to have a really smart horse. You have a horse that comes from an environment where it's been maybe told off more, more punishment, negative reinforcement based. Um, it's probably not going to appear quite as intelligent. So when we start to look at how smart a horse is and what can we learn, the first thing, the problem is, you know, what are the horses that we're testing? And, and secondly, we then look at the science of behavior and people start to do science on, on methods and, and how a horse learns and stuff. What I don't see is how good was the practitioner that was doing yes. the, the work with the horse that was then observed to go, this is how horses learn. Because I, I think, that for me, that's an area of science we need to look at and go, well, actually, if we had a really good practitioner who's using the science of behavior and his timing was spot on and, and we had all that shaping in the right place, what would it look like compared to maybe somebody else um, that we see? And so for me, those are the areas I'd like to see us explore a lot more in, in the science of behaviour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So look at, looking at horses that have got previous history and then getting practitioners to work more with the scientists. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's, there's some interesting studies where you kind of go, OK, that, that's really interesting, but, but, you know, check the horse 17 times to learn something, for, for instance. But then you question, but how good was the trainer that was teaching mm. that particular method or, or doing something? And, you know, taking that out of the equation because, you know, otherwise you just end up with very blank situations where the horse learned to press a button. And, and that gives us an insight into into some of that horse behavior, obviously. But it's that interaction between the quality of the person and the training yeah. as opposed to just the, the horse's ability to learn to press a button and get a reward. I and mean, if we look at that, there's some great experiments that show that fat horses are not as smart as thin ones. 
mm-hmm. um, because they, they, they give up earlier, but it's like they don't need the food as much, so they're not motivated as much, so they give up the training and appear not to be as smart. But thinner horses are hungrier and therefore work longer and solve more problems and are smarter. And we all know that's kind of a, a, a crazy situation to look at science. So I think we need to clean all that up. That, yeah, that would be yeah. a great area to explore. Yeah. Okay, okay. What about people that have helped you along that whole science-based approach? Is there anyone in particular that you'd like to talk about that, um, you know, you've sort of either helped with the research or, or the research has really hit home with you? There are, there are a lot. I, I'm a real learning mindset person and, and I, I really think that, that everybody that I've worked with, I try and learn from every horse. Um, you know, there are obviously standouts and, and things like that. I mean, early on in my career, I, I got to work with a, a gentleman called Crawford Hall who had a, a tragic horse accident and was actually in a wheelchair. And I, I've always respected him because he had to train people and, and work with them and, and he couldn't get out of his chair to take the horse off and show you what to do. Mm-hmm. So everything had to come from being able to sit back and, and and look at people and ask questions and talk and what about this and what about that. And I think I often catch myself when I'm training with people and, and just having to apologize and say, that, you know, I'm not good enough at that stage yet to be able to do this without actually getting a feel and putting my hands on the horse and, and actually just doing a little bit to go, okay, this is what it feels like and I can understand it. And he had to do all of that without that ability to take the horse from you and do that. And I, and I think that's always been inspirational to me. Um, but there have been, there've been lots of people that, that have, caused me to to learn i don't really have a a a trainer or someone that i followed i started out with it but that was 20 years ago and ever since i've kind of found my own path and and worked with lots of really good people that are just trying to figure it out really and Mm -hmm. and the horses are the best teachers the the donkeys the mules Mm -hmm. they are always the best teachers and and i think that's where i've really learned you know i've been lucky enough to work with equines and, and i i will say this freely at the, at the start of my career i got horses you know it took me 10 months to put a head collar on a mustang and um you know when you've had that it's like patience is not a problem because that that mustang taught me that for, for 10 months so i was lucky to get those sort of horses early in my career and i see a lot of people who maybe don't get that sort of horse until a lot later in their career so those are the, the, the big trainers it's actually horses and donkeys and mules that i've named and go yeah they're, they're the beings that have really changed my my thinking and my learning yeah do you think just looking about your career you know the last 20 years has there been a moment where you think this is a really big moment for me that that i feel like i've just i don't know jumped ahead progressed or done something that you're really proud of? Is that one moment, or do you think it's just been progressive over the last 20 years? Um, that's a good question. No, I think it's probably been progressive. There is one moment where, I, um, and I, I don't have a method, although um, like I'll use clicker training, and I've got mm-hmm. a book on clicker training, and I've got, got various tools, and, and you know, I'm big on positive reinforcement, but we'll advocate other ways of working with horses. But watching your horse and looking at how they were working the clicker training and watching the trainer who, who became my wife doing something completely different and me going, wow, how does that work? I thought I knew what I was talking about. And now I'm watching this. And, and actually they started this whole um, chain which led to me to do clicker training in a different way from the, the typical one click, one reward. And I think that that kind of is a point maybe that I'm I'm quite proud about because it was different at the time and that, that looking back it took I took a lot of flack for doing it differently and was told that it never work and and actually that you know I was lying to the horse and I'm like I'm just doing what the horse is already doing and telling me and, and 
finally write a book about it when I figured I had enough knowledge. And, and then now I'm looking around and I'm seeing people going, oh, yeah, yeah, that 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 kind of works. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people do that. People advocate that. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. I spent, you know, 10 years thinking I was taking a, a bit of a hit for that. But looking around, I'm, I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. So yep. Um, yep. I guess that's kind of a nice feeling that, that um, I wasn't too far off the mark and, and, and was smart enough to learn from, from those people in my life yeah. Um, yeah. what they were doing. I was going to say your biggest challenge, but that's probably it, is people you're teaching that may not be just out of the, the straight norm. You're really exploring a lot of, um, mm-hmm. I suppose, outside the box. You know, do you take a lot of yep. flack for that? Do people come to you and, and they say, you know, what you're doing is wrong and you should be doing it this way? Do you take a lot of flack or maybe not so much now? Um, do I? Uh, do I take a lot of flat? That's a good question. I'm not aware. Nobody, nobody directly. I, I think. I think that the answer is, um, I, I don't condemn anybody. You know, but I, don't, I try not to judge. It's one of my mm-hmm. principles. Yep. You know, people yep. are all on a journey. And one of the things that I, really annoys me about the horse industry and horse professionals is, if people get on a journey themselves and then they start criticising other people who are on a different journey and further back, forgetting that they themselves were probably there five years ago. Yep. And so I'm I'm really keen that you know if, if you want to use a method if you want to you know if you want to use a whip that's that's up to you use it correctly it's not my job to tell you whether you should or shouldn't use a whip mm-hmm. but it is my job to explain what the out, the outcomes of that might be and and the options and and you can make your choice it's your horse you, you make those decisions and I think that's meant that that I haven't directly ever sort of forced things down people's um, throats. I said, you have to do it this way or you must do it. It's, just, it's always been kind of, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to figure out for the horses. I try and be as ethical as possible. You know, you can, uh, I'll, I'll stand by that. I'll, you can stop me as a trainer, um, as an owner of a horse. I would always say, you know, that if you're not comfortable with anything that's going on, then tell me. And, and that hasn't happened. So I think that those principles which are on my website have, have kept me from being too controversial in people's faces and I think that's avoided a lot a lot of flack maybe but it, mm-hmm. yeah I think the the whole positive reinforcement when I started 20 years ago maybe people were a little bit like oh, you know horses what are they you know and, and so but in a not in a real personal way just kind of there's a crazy guy who's scratching horses and and, and uh, mm-hmm. thinks that they can learn so yeah not so much now maybe but in the past, yeah. But I think everybody goes through that in the horse world, you know. Sure. As, as you're learning. Like you said, Andrew, 20 years ago, you know, doing science stuff, people are going, what's he talking about? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and now they're like, well, yeah, of course. But that's the, that's the theory of change, isn't it? First, you know, change is, yes. is um, vigorously, you know, attacked and, and then it's kind of eventually accepted as, as normal. Yeah, we've mm. always, always done it that way. <laughs> mm, mm. Just thinking, you know, when you first go to teach a new group, New group where you're doing a clinic or um, you've got a group of riders. What's a common problem that you see with those riders or handlers? Maybe not even riding, maybe handling. Just a common problem that you almost got to step in there and say, right, well, we'll just start off and I'm going to lay down a few ground rules, but but let's start off with a bit of a discussion on this particular subject. Is there something that you commonly see when you first see someone that you haven't um, taught before or? Had anything to do with well, there, there are probably two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I've been working on recently is, is simplifying the, the whole process of the science of behavior because it's such a massive area. And I think there's so much for people to concentrate and look on. And there's so many people telling you what you should or shouldn't do. Um, there are kind of six things that I say, you know, through experience tells me that they're probably not going to be 
in the right place. And that's understanding the true nature of the horse. So, you know, people come up for horses and, and don't understand how the true nature of the horse is from the science. And that's about where your dominance comes from. And people saying, oh, he's been trying to be dominant. And, and we know scientifically horses aren't trying to be dominant, you know. Um, and so adjusting their people's understanding of what the horse is truly capable of, what they're doing, what, what motivates their behavior. Um, and then we go through a process of understanding the, the operant condition, positive, negative punishment, um, of understanding um, shaping, which is a key area that most people uh, probably struggle with to get the steps small enough, um, stretching the comfort zone, deliberately building problem-solving trust and confidence, um, and enjoying the journey. If you focus on those six things, then that probably counts for that 80-20 rule where those six things produce an 80% improvement in everything else. Mm -hmm. And so that leads me to say the two things that I generally see that I have to work on first is people's intuition. Most people actually tend to know what the right thing is for their horse, but they're often afraid to do it, especially just your average owner that's trying to do the right thing, that's trying to learn, that they're actually... They kind of know, but we have to, my job is often to give them the confidence to go, okay, well, if that's what you feel, let's let's do that. You know, you know your horse better than anybody else. So building that confidence for people to just begin to, to listen to their intuition and, and to build their understanding alongside improving the timing. Timing is the physical thing that is our communication when we release pressure, when we give the scratch, when we um, interact with the horse. And, and often we don't pay enough attention to that tiny detail um as humans we get away with it because we've got words and we can watch body language often as as in the horse human relationship we're not paying enough attention to when do we just put a hand on that horse when do we you know classic example the horse that maybe nibbles a bit or, or, or pushes into us people put their hand on the head and push it away and you're like, you are aware that actually what you're just doing is rewarding that behavior. Well, no, I'm telling you off. It's like, no, you're not. And the horse's view, your timing is now wrong. And because you put your hand on him, he wanted attention. You've just given it to him. It was bad attention. That's why he's keeping doing the behavior. So adjusting that bit of timing is often the starting point. Timing improves people's trust of themselves and their intuition. Then we can get started into everything else. Mm-hmm. Ben, what are you looking forward to now? You know, just tell us what's the next twenty years going to be like. Oh blimey! Yeah, I've been asked that before, and I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I should have said the next year or two, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next, next week is far enough for me. No, um, it, uh, so I, I've, I've changed a little bit of how I work for two reasons. One, I have a young family with, uh, um, I have a son who's five yesterday, and um, so I, I actually try not to travel as much because. Um, I can't get that time back away from my family. So um, for the time being, I, I do travel a bit. I do do some workshops. And, and I'd like in the future to be able to travel and take them with me, um, which would be a great experience. So uh, that's something that I, I hope is going to happen. But that's led me into noticing, and, and, and you're a great example of this, you know, um, how does Hans a little trainer that's trying to have that mission that you talked about at the start help people in Australia? Because you, you're not going to come all the way from Australia to do a clinic with me. Um, for a day or for a couple of days or stuff like that. So a lot of my work is now has focused much more on, on the sort of online side, being able to reach out. And one of those things is being able to make uh, stuff available to people all over the world, whether that's my shaping plans or training. And, and I'm going to be creating um, and opening up a sort of a membership site where I can actually support people through this whole journey 
create a community that people can engage in and that we can take them through that, whether you're in Australia or America or New Zealand or wherever it might be. Um, so um, trying to reach out globally to help people who've got similar ideas and, and want, want that support, but isolated either because there's so many traditional yards and liveries where I hear from people like, you know, I'm just one person and I'm trying to do it differently, but everybody's telling me I'm crazy and, and I'd like to support those people. And, and I think technology can let us do that now. So that's where the next you know, few years are going for me. I've got a couple of books that I'm writing at the moment. So those are coming out and, and we're going to work on those. Well, certainly tell us and keep us updated about those books as well because uh, I'd oh, like cool. to talk to you yeah. about them. That would yeah. be good. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I want, want to write a different, but there's so many good horse books. There's so many good um, you know, science behaviour books. This is the first one is a little bit more about encouraging and helping people. It's more of a self-help book for horse owners, you know, mm-hmm. that are struggling to find their own path and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Ben, um, how would you, if you're just going to do it in a sentence or two, just summarise your philosophy with horses, you know, into a message before we go? Mm, yeah, that's another tricky one. Um, and, and people often say, Ben, the, the problem with you is we don't know what you do. Um, you know, it's really easy if you, have a, if, if you have a trainer that has a method, you know, you can look at that on YouTube and you can go, yeah, I want that. Um, but uh, for me, it's really about helping people find their own path to horsemanship. I guess that that, that bit you read out at the start is, is what I kind of do. And, and then it's saying, you know, where you are, I want to build your confidence, your knowledge and skills so that you can have your relationship with your horse or donkey or mule and and you can I can affect that and help you for the next 20 years so that you don't have to feel um, insecure or nervous or lack confidence or, or worry you're doing the wrong thing. So I guess that's, that's really my philosophy is helping, helping people to find their own path to, to horsemanship. Okay. Okay. Now, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way? Um, I always uh, encourage people to have a little look at the website, you know, mm-hmm. and to uh, tartshorsemanship.com. Check that I'm the trainer for them. My principles are on there, what I do, all of that sort of stuff. You can obviously go to Facebook and, and have a look and, and find me on there and do those sorts of things. And um, just send me an email um, if that's what you say. You can see there's, there's lots of, I have. Yeah, I was doing some stuff the other day and realized how many free resources. There's free ebooks and there's free there's videos on YouTube and all sorts of stuff. So there's plenty for people to explore. I'm, I'm not a real commercial guy that you know you got to buy this hundred and eighty dollar very one to be able to do something with your horse. It, it really is about you being able to improve it. So you just dig around and, and have a little look and, and that sort of thing. Perfect. And all those details will be at the bottom of your page, which will be on horsechats.com slash Ben Hart. Or just go and search Ben and you'll find him. Ben, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for sharing your philosophy. Uh, you know, all I could do is say I fully support it. And um, I think I'd love to get you back on again and hopefully that'll be sometime soon. Yeah, we can we can do that. It's, it's a real pleasure because, again, you know, I'm just learning from you. you you're asking questions is, is a great way for me to go, wow, I, how, do I, <laughs> how do I get that across better and how do I figure that out? So I'm yep. um, yep. really happy to talk if it helps people. Great. Okay, look forward to it then. Talk to you soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Go well. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352.
Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.